So it's good to be with you guys this evening, and I, I can't believe that we're already in November. Amen. And as you can see, we, we, we're taking Christmas serious this year. We, um, we, we're getting ready early. And uh, just want to give a shout out to the band that was absolutely awesome this evening. Amen. Thank you guys so much. What a great job that they did. And um, just excited about what God is busy doing. You know, at the moment in the body of Christ, there's so many different things going on. The good, the bad, and the ugly, all at the same time. But we rejoice as the church begins to move closer and close, closer to what Paul spoke about in the book of Ephesians, where the church will come to an, a, a specific point where it becomes mature. And before that maturity comes, we know many things need to take place, but that maturity is spoken of in Scripture. And it, and it basically really, I believe, means that once we get to that place, that's when the end will actually come. So we know that there are still some things that God is busy doing in the church. Right now, if, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I've become ever aware of it more than ever before, just how there's like a line between truth and, and false that's just becoming ever stronger and more clear and more challenging at the same time because it's like, you know, it's such a struggle. In the same breath, as we look and see all of these things, we always have to be aware or be vigilant. You know, be aware, be, be ever, uh, you know, what's the right word? I would say just always be cautious to make sure that it's not you that be, is the one being deceived. You know, as a, as a leader, as a pastor myself, you know, I've realized that the, the, the safest place to be is to just be low, is to just be low with him. You know, when you think you know a lot, you realize you know very, very little. And even though sometimes you feel like you can judge or your judgment might be true, it's best to just stay low and allow God to handle it. Obviously, we always stand up for what is true. We never stand up for what is false or what isn't true. We stand against those things. But it's a very important time, I believe, in the church. And I think moving towards the end of this year, <clears throat> and I can boldly say this, I truly believe that 2024 will be a year where you will see so much more in the church exposed. Um, and I don't say that in a negative way. I, I think it's exactly what has to happen as we move closer to the end of the age. I believe that denominational, those lines, oh my gosh, okay, I'm speaking African-Americanese, okay, it's one of those things. So I believe those denominational lines will slowly but surely become less and less in the body of Christ. I believe that's going to happen, and it's simply going to be the true church and the false church, and those things will happen. <clears throat> If you were here last weekend, I spoke about the importance of fruit in every believer's life, not only in the life of prophets or teachers, but in the lives of every believer. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk to you about how to look for that fruit, what we look for when we look for that fruit. That's a very, very important message, and I encourage you to come out and, and listen to that. The Lord has been very, very heavy on my heart the last few weeks, months even, you know, when it comes to specifically church, just what's going on in the body of Christ. And, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I've come to realize as a pastor over the years, I can't believe I've been senior pastor of this church now for eight years. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Where did the time go? And some, those of you that were here from the beginning, it feels like yesterday that we just started downtown in that little building. But God has 
I mean, it's still young. We're still a young church, but I mean, it's eight years. It's unbelievable. You know, almost nine years. Um, but but I've I've you know in, in this journey I've noticed and, and seen many different things, and and often catch myself <clears throat> in a place where I think many of us often get to, which is many times in our journey with God we we, we get discouraged. We we feel like you know it's too difficult. And, you know, this last week specifically, the Lord really kept me in the book of Corinthians. And it was very difficult to move past the first 10 chapters. And I I was listening to it specifically in the mornings. And I was listening to it over and over and over. And then I would listen to one chapter about seven or eight times, over and over and over. Because what the Lord was speaking to me about was just so profound. And it sort of led me into what I'm going to be sharing with you this evening. Not morning, evening. Because I think that we do often get discouraged, but the same way that we need to take the Bible and, and the, the Bible has a framework. So ultimately, everything that's in Scripture has to line up with God's redemptive plan. God's plan of redemption. That's His plan, His love and redemption for mankind. In the beginning, when God created us, He created us to have dominion. Once we fell, we lost relationship with God and we lost that dominion. Those are two things that God is restoring. He's redeeming us. Are you guys with me? And so it is that when we look at Scripture, always look at what the bigger picture is. Because if you're always looking at ground level, you're only going to see so much of what God is trying to say when there's really so much more that He wants to say. So it is in our journeys when we begin to feel discouraged. You have to kind of try and take yourself out of the scenario and look at the big picture. When you look at the big picture you're going to find out, I guarantee you, that it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It might be painful. It might be difficult in that moment. But the big picture, not only of your life, but of God's full plan, it's not that bad. Are you guys with me? Now, I want to talk to you about a prophet in Scripture that made a major impact in the Old Testament. His name was Elijah. We all know the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a powerful prophet of God, one of my absolute favorites, because I believe that Elijah was just absolutely radical. And I remember when I started out in the prophetic and started out, you know, as a young minister, he was one of the guys I wanted to be just like. Then I read about Elisha, and Elisha would like put bears on people, and I thought, no, I'd rather be like him, you know, so that everybody that I don't like, I can just send a bear out and they can swallow them up and it'll be just awesome, you know. <clears throat> but one thing which you don't realize is that in the midst of all the miracles, in the midst of the incredible things that these prophets would do, you read about their suffering and you, 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 you don't really stop. We don't stop and try and put ourselves in their position. It's very easy to look at the life of Elijah and see how he calls fire down from heaven, 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, what an incredible encounter he has with God. Before that, he raises a child from the dead. I mean, you know, food is provided to him by ravens. I mean, this guy is, is a serious man of God. People were afraid of him when he walked into town. This was, you know, this was no joke. He was, he was a real, true man of God. He said, listen, when, when, when only when I speak, Will the rain come again when Ahab rose up against the children of Israel and he began to lead them astray and they began to follow Baal and not God? You know, Elijah went to him and said, listen, until I speak the word, there will be no rain. And we know for three years there was no rain. 
So this is the type of stuff that he did. And what's interesting is at the peak of his career, if you want to call it a career, his walk with God, his journey, his time on this earth, when he calls down fire from heaven, it's shortly after that that the most astounding thing happens to him. And this is what I want to read to you this evening. So let's all go in our Bibles. Are you all okay? All right. I'm so glad. <clears throat> let's go to 1 Kings 19, verse number 1. We'll read 1 to 4, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. And then I'm going to take you to another place in Scripture and show you another individual. You, know, you think about guys like Jonah before we read this. You know, Jonah, we know, runs away from God, runs in the opposite direction of where he's supposed to go. When he finally does go to Nineveh where he's supposed to, he prophesies judgment over them. They repent. God relents. He doesn't judge them. Jonah gets mad at God and tells God, listen, I knew you were good. I knew you were merciful. I knew you would do this. Kill me now. And we all go, oh, look at him. He's weak. Listen, you don't know what it's like to be called a false prophet. You don't know what it's like to run away from God and an ocean roars up against everybody and you've got to get thrown in the ocean and you get swallowed up by a fish. That was no ordinary fish. Cartoons draw whales. I don't know what kind of fish that was, but that was some fish. Then you end up on shore and yes, we can say, oh, it's his pride and all of that stuff, but we don't know what it was like to be in that moment. So it was with Elijah as well. Elijah's had this showdown, fire from heaven. God comes down. Then he slays all the, the prophets. I mean, Elijah's at the peak and the highest point of his career. And this is what happens. 1 Kings 19 verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. What had he done? All the awesome stuff. Also how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel's message that Ahab brings her is one of how awesome and how powerful God has been through the life of Elijah and how God has stood up to the evil. Are you guys with me? Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So he gets this message. He, Jezebel sends a message to Elijah saying, listen, what you have done to those prophets of Baal will happen to you before tomorrow this time. Now this is the guy, I want you to put it into perspective. Try and think about it. That killed 450 evil guys. That called fire down from heaven. That got the nation of Israel to repent and turn back to God. This is awesome gets one message, one message of discouragement, one message of threat, one message of the threat of death, and look at what he does. It says in verse 3, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said it is enough now Lord take my life for I'm no better than my father's 
This is mind-blowing. How is it possible? And if we read from the one episode of this awesome stuff that's happened to the very next episode, how he hears one message from Jezebel, runs away, goes and says to God, I can't take any more. Kill me now. This is literally what he's saying. I'm done, Lord. I can't. He says, he says, enough, God, enough. I can't take it anymore. You see, the reality is, is that we probably don't recognize the pressure of the call. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be on Mount Carmel when all of Israel is watching you? And you praying and we read about the, the, the faith and how he tells the prophets of Baal, listen, your God's probably on the toilet. Literally, that's what he says. So we read all of this stuff, but you must understand there's a spiritual pressure that's on him that most of us will never understand. When things go wrong in his ministry, yet he stands in faith, that fa even the faith in itself, to have that kind of faith is a pressure that comes with it. Everything that he'd done up until this point required a certain amount of spiritual pressure that got him to this point. It wasn't just the threat of Jezebel that caused him to get to the point where he said, God, it's enough. Because if we look at it up until this point, it was all awesome. But one threat, and he says it's enough. Why is one threat enough? Because it's not just the one threat. It's the journey. It's the journey to get to that point where he's gotten to the place where he says, Lord, it's this pressure. It's the spiritual pressure that I can't handle anymore. You see, the reality is that he may not even have realized it the way that we do today. Because times have changed since the Old Testament days. But the battle, the battle, the wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle. So in the midst of everything you'll go through in your walk with God, you must recognize that there is a spiritual element that you cannot see that causes a pressure in that dimension. I understand this pressure. I've been a pastor for eight years. I've been in ministry since I was 19. I started in ministry when I was 19 years old. I know what it's like. I know what it's like because I got to a point when I was younger where I said, I can't do this anymore. And I wasn't really doing anything. I was like doing nothing, like nothing. I'd get prayer at four o'clock in the morning and then be at meetings till one o'clock in the morning. And that was like, that was, it was too much. Couldn't anymore. There is a pressure that comes, and you must understand the enemy will do whatever he can to cause you to stop. He will do whatever you can, whatever he can, to cause you to get to that place where you say, Enough is enough. Now, there are some things about this threat that are interesting that I want you to pay attention to this morning, this evening. Sorry. <clears throat> I knew it was going to happen eventually. I got it out of the way, okay? <clears throat> So let's read it together again. Let's go to 1 Kings 19, verse number one. Watch this. <clears throat> and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, let, let the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, it's interesting that there was nothing to show him. It was a message. It was a message that was sent to him. But what happened is once the message got to him, he began to see this as his reality. 
He began to see the threat of death, the threat that came against him. It was no longer words that had now become something that had become literally like in his mind's eye a reality. He could see himself being killed by Jezebel by this force and he couldn't take it. It began to affect him so much. What's the message here? The message is, is that you must not allow something that somebody else says to become your reality. Because the enemy will do whatever he can with those words to break you down. I will never forget reading about a pastor. This is, you know, there are so many times where it's just the smallest thing You can stand up to all of this stuff. You can face giants and face demonic forces and pray for hours and everything, but someone can come in and say one thing about you that you begin to believe, and all of a sudden it affects you so much that you feel like giving up because you begin to see yourself the way that he sees you, the enemy, just like it was with the children of Israel when they were supposed to cross over into the Jordan. When they came back, the spies came back, They said that we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as not being able to face the giants. And so that became their reality. And the whole nation of Israel, because of them, was not able to enter into it. And they all died in the wilderness. That's how you can miss your your purpose or what God has for you based on somebody else's words or threat towards you. And you must remember... Where does the threat come from? We take it very personally when someone attacks us. We take it very personally when someone speaks ill of us. And it, and, and it is because it comes from a person. But you must understand that it's not the person that wants to destroy you. It's the enemy. So yes, it's the woman Jezebel, but there's a spirit behind it that understands that this prophet of God is a special man that God is using and wants everything in his power to destroy him. So sends this threat out. So the first key is make sure that you don't allow someone's words to become your reality. Don't let them them affect you. Now watch this. Verse number four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness And came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. The next thing that happens to him is he begins to cry out and say, It's enough. It's enough. Listen, you may be at a point in your walk with God where you feel like the pressure's too much. It's enough. But you cannot allow your feelings to control what God is doing. Put it into perspective, guys. Just use Elijah as an example, great example. All the stuff that God used him to do, one little threat, and he says it's enough. Now again, I've tried to explain to you that the pressures of ministry, because we don't know, we weren't there on every journey. We didn't feel what he felt and go through what he went through, but it was this one threat that caused him to get to the point where he said to God, I can't take any more. And the reality is, is that it wasn't long after this that he was no longer here. He was raptured. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Did you know he was raptured? Do you know that Elijah didn't die? So even though he said, God, it's enough, God was merciful. Amen. Listen, he showed up again on the Mount of Transfiguration. Can you imagine? Jesus, Peter, and John 
see Elijah show up on the Mount of Transfiguration, if he shows up again, as many believe he will in the last days, do you think he's going to be dressed like he was in the old days? Or do you think he'll be wearing jeans? wondered that or am I like the only one that thinks about stuff like that I'm like is he gonna have his beard and long hair and like his like robe and stuff or is he gonna like have like shaved hair and like nice hairstyle like, what's he gonna look like you know what I mean when he comes you know and I want okay just stop okay so understand that even in the midst of all of this God was still merciful and still has a great plan for him so I want you to understand that, that even though you grumble and groan and complain sometimes, which Scripture tells us Philippians not to do, don't complain. We will complain sometimes. But remember what I said to you at the beginning of this message this evening. Put yourself into the perspective of the bigger picture. What you're going through right now, compared to everything even that's happening in your own life, is it really enough or can you go on? So the second thing is don't get to the point where you feel like completely giving up because it will affect, it can affect your future. And there's one more key that I want to give you. Are you guys okay? But he himself went today's journey, verse, verse number four, into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die and said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. The last thing is he began to compare himself to others. And when you begin to compare yourself to others, it can end up getting you into trouble. Understand that your purpose, your destiny, the plan that God has for you is a unique one. You don't have to compare yourself to others, especially their mistakes all the time. Don't think that because you've now made a mistake, you are just like those others that went before you that made a mistake. Oh, well, you know, see, I'm just like my father. Oh, you know, you see, I'm just like my grandfather. Oh, you see, I'm just like my family. Don't compare yourself. Always remember that you've been redeemed, you've been washed, you've been cleansed. You're a new creation. Amen. Don't you love that God says that when you get saved, you get born again? That means that old things have passed away. All things have become new. Why do you keep talking about your past? Oh, but you know, Pastor Alex, the biggest mistakes I made when I, made when I was a Christian, that's you're probably right. But that's where grace abounds even more. If your heart is pure and you're truly seeking God, you can continue to run this race. And only you are the one who reminds God of your mistakes. But this brings me to such an important point this evening. Because as much as I want to tell you, listen, you know, you can do this and you, you know, you're going to be successful and all of that. And I, and I believe that if you have the right heart and the right attitude, you will be. I really came tonight to tell you to stop complaining. Because the truth is we have very little to complain about. If you sit and you stop for one second and imagine what it was like to be at the, at the time of the early church. You know, we have a faith that has spread across all nations. We have a faith that has a reputation. Christianity has millions and millions and millions of followers. You are not really seen as a freak if you're a Christian. But in the early days when Christianity was brand new, they were seen as, you want to talk about a cult, they were seen as an absolute cult. 
And everywhere they went, they were persecuted and attacked and ridiculed and mocked in a way that we probably will never fully comprehend. Elijah complained because of that situation. And I understand because I, I, I know what it's like. Even when you have your highs, there's a certain spiritual pressure that's there that you can't explain unless you've been in it. Obviously, he's at another level, but every one of us experiences that at our own level. But I want to read something to you. Watch this now. Let's go in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 11.22. 2 Corinthians 11.22. I want to read to you a little bit about Paul's journey. Paul the Apostle. 2 Corinthians 11.22. Because today it's interesting to me how we are so quick to complain about how it's too much. We, we, you know, we serve too much. We work too hard. It's too difficult to be a Christian. It's too difficult, Lord. It's so hard, I, you know. Lord, I can't watch so much TV. It's, I can't take it anymore. You know, we, we complain about everything. We complain about the most ridiculous things. But now take a look at this guy's life. Let's, let's look at this. Look at what he says here. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two. 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. Now watch. In labors more abundant. In other words, I work and labor more than most, abundantly, more than most. In stripes, what are stripes? Stripes is when you are struck, when you are lashed. Okay? Above measure. In prisons, how many times has he been to prison? More frequently. In deaths, what deaths? The threat of death. How many times has he been threatened death? Look at what he says, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39 stripes. Have you ever been lashed 39 times for your faith? Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. How many of you have been in one shipwreck? And we're not talking about going on the intercoastal and Sito comes and gets you. <laughs> we're talking about the olden days when their boats were not very stable and when he was sailing from, from Israel to Greece and places like that, they got shipwrecked and it was life or death. So he says, listen, shipwrecks, Three times, three shipwrecks. Listen, somebody doesn't like Paul. And he doesn't go, oh God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you punishing me? Why are you torturing me, Lord? Why did you do this to me? Three shipwrecks, Lord, why not just one? But the church today, we complain about everything. It's too hard to come to prayer. It's too hard to come to church. It's too hard to, you know, we would rather listen to a message that makes us feel comfortable. No, we need to celebrate hallelujah. That's so much fun. 
We complain and we try and make our gospel weak and of no effect because all we do is, oh. Listen, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. This message is for me. This is a message that God gave me. The words that I heard was, stop complaining. Not for you, for me. But I thought, listen, while I'm being rebuked, let me just share it with you. Because I think some of you complain a little bit more than me. Amen? All right, let's just leave it at that. (laughs) A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perilous waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, that's danger, that's threats, that's perils is, is like perilous times. Are you guys with me? It's not anything good. In perils in the city, I have no idea what that was. In perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among fa- false brethren, in weakness and toil, in sleeplessness, how often did he struggle to sleep? Often. In hunger and thirst, in fastings, often. In other words, there were times where he hungered, there was no food. How, how How often did he have no food? Often. How often did he thirst? Often. How often was he cold and naked? Often. This is what he had to contend with as a believer. And he doesn't go. You don't see him ever write about how he went and said, God, it's enough. It's enough. And do you know why? Because he understood the price that was paid for his salvation. If there is anyone that understood the value of the salvation that he had, it was Paul. He talks about how he has to carry the burden of having persecuted the church which I think was something very difficult for him to bear. So no matter what he went through, he was just grateful that God's grace was sufficient for him. It's amazing how if you take the story of Elijah, and I'm not coming against Elijah or mocking him because one day I'm gonna have a conversation with him in heaven and I don't want him to tell me, listen, you said Paul was better than me. (laughs) I'm not saying that because I'm gonna talk to him when I get there. And the reality is, it's like I say, you don't know his story. You cannot tell me that the only pressure was Jezebel. Because you're not going to cry out to God and say enough if it's just one threat from Jezebel. You don't know what it was like to go to Zarephath. You don't know what it was like when there was no rain and everyone was saying, Elijah, we're going to kill you. This is your fault. You don't know what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes. But then there's Paul who just wants to remind us of what it means to really pick up your cross. And the first thing that he basically, I really believe he's trying to say to us is, guys, don't complain. Don't complain. I know you might be going through some difficult times and nobody makes any less your pain or your struggle. But that doesn't mean that it's time to now give up. And that doesn't mean that it's God who has done anything to you. If anyone could sit and say, listen, God, why did you do this to me? That's Paul. Did God wreck his boat? Did God starve him? Did God beat him? Did God stripe him? No. 
So why is it that when the first thing goes wrong, the first thing we do as Christians today is we say, why did you do this to me, Lord? When the reality is, is the only one that wanted to destroy Paul was the enemy. With good reason. The only one that wanted to destroy Elijah was the enemy. The only one that wants to destroy you is the enemy. That's why, guys, when something goes wrong, when you're going through difficult times, don't give up and blame God and run away. But rather just surrender to Him and be grateful that the enemy even knows who you are. Amen. I know this isn't like a get all excited message, but it's so important because today in church, it's unbelievable to me how like, you know, it's like, you know, guys, I need everybody to come and help. We've got some stuff to do. For, oh, Pastor, I'm tired. It's too much. It's so hard. You know, I need to spend an extra hour watching TV tonight, you know. And I know I complain too. I'm so tired. It's so difficult. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. I mean, it happens. I have these moments. I, I mean, I even got my dad wants to say shame. Half. He kind of half said shame. I don't know if you know what that means. Like in South African, when you feel sorry for somebody, you say, oh, shame. You know, oh, you know, it felt bad for me. I was so excited for about 10 seconds. And he said, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. <laughs> you know, so we go through the stuff. But then I think to myself, listen, look how far God has brought us. Look at what he's done. The stuff we're going through right now, it's just for a moment. Count it all joy because there are greater things waiting for us. While there's still breath in your lungs, while you're still on this earth, be grateful and take every day as a new opportunity to serve the Lord with everything inside of you. When you're going through these difficult times, I know it's hard, but count it joy. Count it all joy and stay low, guys. Stay low. Stay in a place of humility. Stay close to God. Even when you think you're right, even when you know you're right, just stay in that place of humility because it'll help you so much. I, I, I know what it's like to feel discouraged. I know what it's like to feel like it's too much or it's enough. And I'm here to tell you this evening that, that you, don't, you, don't have, you, you have no right to be there. You, you don't need to be in that place. There are, there are people that have, have gone on before us that have really given their entire lives for the kingdom and for the gospel. What are we complaining about? It's time for us as the church to, to be what we are called to be, which is an army, an army of disciples. It's time for us to stop moaning about everything and saying it's too difficult. It's not too difficult. It's not too hard. Whatever it is you're going through, you can get through it. You will get to the other side. And one day you'll be able to write about all your stuff and see it and compare it to Paul's list. <laughs> right now my list is looking pretty bleak. Just want to let you know. And all it does is it puts, it, it puts it into that perspective that I was talking about. When you begin to realize, listen, in the bigger picture of what God's doing, what I'm going through right now, it might be painful in this moment, but I can, I can get through this. It's not enough. I can, I can keep going. Are you guys with me?
So this is what the, I really believe the Lord wanted, wants me to share with you this evening. First of all, take stock of where you are. Don't, don't get discouraged too quickly. If you have gotten discouraged, I want to remind you this evening of what it really looks like to really, really serve the Lord with your whole heart and get out of that situation. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, this evening in this place, Lord, like it was with Elijah, we can't really imagine. We, we, we don't know what it was like to be Elijah. But we see the effects of the threat that came against him. Because, Father, even in our own walks, even though it may be different and it may be more insignificant, whatever it is, Lord, we all struggle within those moments. And I pray this evening for every person in this place, Father, that when they feel discouraged, we will remember the saints that have gone on before us. Never mind the saints that have gone up before us, but we will remember what Jesus has done for us. And Father, it will give us courage and strength to continue to run our race. To not give up, Father, when we feel like giving up. To not give up, Lord, and to be in that place where we say, Lord, it's enough, I can't do it anymore. But I pray, Lord, that tonight you will strengthen every person in this place. Lord, in no way am I lessening anybody's struggle because everybody goes through difficult times and different things. The Bible, your word warns us about these things. But I pray this evening, Lord, that no one will leave this place in that place of discouragement and have a desire rather to serve you and to follow you with their whole heart and to never give up, no matter what happens, no matter what comes their way. And so I give you thanks and I honor you tonight in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. If your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to ask you this evening, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close the service, but if you have come here and you have been struggling with discouragement, you have maybe felt like giving up, we're going to be in the front here. I'm going to have my team up here. The pastoral team will be up here with me. And we're going to pray that God would strengthen you. Because sometimes that's just what we need, is to just ask the, the Father to strengthen us in that time of discouragement. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's pain. Sometimes it's hurt. Sometimes it's whatever it is that you're going through. I want, I want to pray for you tonight that you would be encouraged. But I pray more than anything that this word tonight has strengthened and encouraged you and put things into perspective for you. And so if you have come here and you feel that way, just raise your hand so I can see where you are. Amen. Amen. If I can ask you, if you raise your hand, come up to the front so long for me, please, because we're going to pray for you. Don't stay in your seat. Come quickly. Amen. You can do this. Amen. You guys can come and stand right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So can I ask you to stretch your hands out towards them? Pastors, can I ask you to come up and pray with me, please? I'm going to pray and then we're going to just pray over them that the Lord will 
strengthen them. Young lady, it's not time to give up. It's not time to give up, amen? You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Father, I thank you this evening for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. I thank you for these precious lives, these precious people that are yours, God. Lord, you are so good that you meet us in every struggle, in every situation. But I pray tonight for each and every person that stands in the front here, Lord, that you will strengthen them, that you will encourage them, that you will help them, Lord, to see that bigger picture, Father, and that they will know that their struggles are but for a moment and joy comes in the morning. Father, that you will turn their morning into dancing and that you will strengthen each and every one in every area of their lives. Every satanic attack, every demonic attack, I take authority over now in the name of Jesus and I cancel it in Jesus' name. Every force of darkness working against you, I break its power now in Jesus' name. And I just release the blessing of God on each and every one of you. Be strengthened and encouraged this evening in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's go. Let's just begin to pray for them now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're going to be fine. Amen. Amen. Just straight.
once you've been prayed for, if you can go back to your seats, that would be great. If you need to stay in the altar for a while, that's fine too. Just so we know who's been ministered to and who hasn't. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You're all still in church. None of you are going home. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, you can do this, right? Amen. You can, you can do this. We can do this. No matter, what, no matter what comes our way, no matter how difficult it might seem, we can all do this. And we have very little to complain about. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right. All right. I, I want to I ask you if, if anybody, if anybody, um, uh, if anybody has a physical need in their body, if you need physical healing, I'm going to have the pastors and the zone leaders pray for you. So if you want physical healing or if you need prayer for anything, the altars are going to be open. That's what Saturday nights are for. So if you need ministry, Please come up. We'd love to be able to pray for you as well now in Jesus' name. Other than that, I pray, Father, that you bless everybody that's come out tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And I give you thanks for their lives and for each and every one of them. We honor you and we love and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.